Okay, now that everyone's here. Okay, so let's turn to Galatians. And so yesterday, uh, we were speaking concerning the legalists. And uh, Paul took a very long portion of this book to speak of these legalism. But with syncretism, Paul does not. Uh, Paul speaks very concisely. And we can think of this. We can think of many reasons for this. And one might be that legalism had more influence, had more hold, more sway over the Galatians than syncretism did. And so that's why he takes great lengths, he goes to great lengths to bring down legalism. But another reason is, is though they may have both have same influence, uh, the influence of legalism is more critically dangerous to them. Why? I mean, we could speak of many things, but for example, the focus here is that legalism pretends to be holy. And it emphasizes a good life, an ethical life. That is legalism, right? So, for example, let's say uh, the desire for possessions. Legalism does not recognize this as sin. They think that, oh, I'm just trying to live my life. What does, why is this sin? That's the danger of legalism and of religion, is that it looks holy on the outside. It looks like they're living a very good life, and yet they cannot recognize the wickedness that is at the root. And so from that perspective, legalism is a very critical danger. But now we'll talk about syncretism. And syncretism is clearly easy to see that it's wickedness. That if you are just a little bit sensitive spiritually, you would be able to repent. And so in that sense, syncretism doesn't require the same measure that Paul took because, because it's easier to point out. And so throughout Galatians, he continually talks about exclusivism and, and legalism, constantly cutting down at this exclusivism and this, 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 this legalism. Now a third reason might be that syncretism might have been received by these Galatians. But the problem with legalism is that, is that it came from outside. It came from these teachers from Jerusalem. And so, of course, it's the wickedness of the Galatians themselves. But because of this outside influence, it was strengthened. It was strengthened even more. And so Paul needed to take these measures to cut at, at this, this, this outside influence first. That's why he might have taken a longer time and used, taken greater length to cut at legalism. And so, so legalism um, is like this. It's, it makes the church unable to have holy influence outside because the characteristic of legalism is to bound up. And so the holiness that the church is supposed to radiate becomes bound up by legalism.
And so they become powerless. They become weak. And so when you think about the essence of the church, this is something that we need to regret. Wherever that church may be planted, the church must have influence all over the world. But this exclusivism and this legalism cuts away at that essence of the church. And so that's why it's such a great danger. And that's this wasn't just the case 2,000 years ago. Even now, these two heretical uh, influences are eating away at the power of the church today. These two things, elements are taking away at the essence of the church. It doesn't matter how large or small the church may be. It doesn't matter how many tens of thousands that church may have. The influence of the church is not based on numbers, but on the glory of holiness. And as you well know, even when we were only seven people, we began the ministry. How can seven people begin this great ministry? It's because of the essence of the church. It's because there was the influence of that holiness. And through that church, God radiated His glory. And this is what I've been preaching from day one. That the kingdom of heaven is not dependent on numbers. It doesn't matter how large your building may be. And so if you had received my proclamation in faith, the church would have great influence. It's not about numbers. It's about the essence of the church. This is what's most important. That what is the church of God? It's not about the character of the pastor. It's not about the talent of the pastor. It's not about the makeup of the church members. No, that's not what determines the influence of the church. Just as the 400 uh, refuse, the 400 leftovers of Israel, uh, when they were united under David, came to become leaders of the nation in the same way. It doesn't matter who's gathered. It's about where is that glory coming from? And in that leadership of David, in that leadership, that glory of Israel radiated. And so who is God? And what is Israel that God reigns over? If you understand that essence, then it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter who your church members are. That is not the key factor. Just look at our church. Truly, I'm being very honest with you. There was no one in our church who was excellent. There was no one with great talents in our church. Really, when you think about our church, we are moving uh, money all over the world and only not even a hundred people earn money at our church. Most of our church members are unemployed, are jobless, not just unemployed, but jobless. And yet we send people all over the world. We talk to people all over the world. And with the small number, think about how many pastors are at our church. They're serving all of them. 
And so it's great that there are a lot of pastors, right? Because they can bless all the church members. That's great in that perspective. And yet, if you look at it from a negative perspective, right? All these pastors, all they do is eat. <laughs> they eat the food that, that the church members provide. And so that's just more mouths to feed. And so from the perspective of the church members, it may be a burden. That is case, right? They brought gifts for this Chuseok season. And so think about it. If they have to buy one present for a pastor, they have to buy 20 because there's 20 pastors. And so from a certain perspective, I feel very sorry for these church members. And yet, what I understand is that this is their blessing because what is the best university? It's the university that has one professor for one student. That is the best university in the world. And in the same way, the same principle applies. That when one pastor for one church member, that's the best church. Amen? <laughs> and so even now, there are many people who are in line to be pastors at our church. We don't know when they will be receive their pastorship. Maybe the pastors in front of them have to die first. Who knows when they'll become pastors? Because we cannot make them, we cannot ordain them because there's so many already. So what I'm trying to say is that what is the essence of the church? It is, is this church moved by God or not? It's not about who makes up that church. It's not about who that pastor is. It's not, it's not about those kinds of things. It's what is the essence of the church. And so for 25 years, as I've been doing this pastoral ministry, this is what is so clear, so evident to me. Because honestly, even when I do nothing, God reigns over His church. God has dominion over His church. For half a year, I'm outside. I'm overseas. And yet, God takes care of His church. God is responsible for His church. And so, if you think about the, my excellency, that might be this one thing I could say, is that I trust God 100% with His church. And so, no matter how many associate pastors I have, no matter how much uh, remuneration I have to give them, I don't worry. Because it's all God's responsibility. It's all in His hands. And so even though we have to pay for more homes, and yet none of our church members complain, do they? There's no need to complain. Why? Because it's all God's work. God is doing it. And so this is the essence of the church. And it's the essence of the church that's most important. So wherever that church may be, all over the world, if that church members and the pastor believes in the essence of the church, then that essence will radiate that influence all over the world. And so Satan cannot touch that church. The, nothing can touch that church. This is the principle of things. The principle of things. Ever since we began Zoo Ministry, this is how it began. That we never worked out of the riches of our money. No, that's not how we enriched Zoo Ministry, even though we were poor. 
we went out with that belief in the essence of the church. Amen. And so Malaysia, that's why I'm also so grateful for you, is that numerically you are very small and yet you are serving conferences all over the world. It's because they believe in the essence of the church. And honestly, Malaysia in terms of country is a poorer country than Korea. And so when we use 2 million, 2, two Malaysians, it's as if they are using 5 million, 6 million. And yet they provide and they, they, they dedicate themselves for that. And so for that I say, xie xie. Xie xie. Terima kasih. And so from this perspective, legalism is such a danger because it takes away, it cuts away at this, at this glory of the church. And so when you live by legalism, when you live by your strength, the first thing that happens is you are bound. That is the essence of legalism. And so that's why the more the world lives by their strength, the more they live by legalism, they are bound. They are being, they are being powerless. And so in these end times, when the Antichrist reveals himself, the reason why he's going to be able to take control is because everyone has lost power. Everyone is powerless. And so it becomes so easy for for Satan, for the Antichrist to take control because they live by their strength, they live by their thoughts, they get, they get bound. And so it becomes easy for one man to rule over the entire world. It becomes possible. For example, look at Steve Jobs. Right, he invented the iPad, he invented the iPhone, he invented all these great things. And yet he doesn't allow his children to use it. Why? Because he understands that through these things, that people are trying to uh, that, that, that the world is trying to control people through these things and so because he doesn't want to bound his children he doesn't let them use it look at how smart he is and yet how evil he is right he, he doesn't use it but he makes us get addicted to it that's how bad he is and because I know our children are kings I do not allow them to use cell phones it's not because I'm Steve Jobs but I will not let my children use cell phones and yet for some strange reason they're able to go into the world however they want that in itself is also is a great miracle for some strange reason they know all the idols they know all these things that's how dangerous that's how scary the power and the influence of the world is so Zoom ministry once again I say if you have faith take away take away the cell phones from your children take it all away but then I also noticed that when you go, when you send your children to school without these smartphones, they can't go to school. Then then if you have the faith, then just do uh, homeschool. Teach all your children at the church at home. And so, anyways, this exclusivism, this legalism, is very dangerous. Now we're going to look at syncretism today. And 
And so we saw the nine elements of, of the, of, of, of the uh, gospel. And we talked about Holy Spirit. And syncretism is also something that the Holy Spirit is aiming against. And so whether it's legalism or syncretism, they are all spirits that go against the Holy Spirit. And so this is all you need to say. If you live by the Holy Spirit, you will not have anything to do with legalism or with syncretism. And so remember, I use the example of those who look for counterfeits. How do they get trained to spot counterfeit money? They are not studying every single counterfeit, different kind of counterfeit. No, they are always studying what's real. And because they know exactly what is real, counterfeits are easy to spot. And so we do not need to study legalism. We do not need to study syncretism. No, just keep living by the Holy Spirit. And as you keep living by the Holy Spirit, you'll be automatically separated from legalism, from syncretism. And so the answer is to live by the Holy Spirit. And so we connect legalism to religion. And what is the spirit of religion? It's not living with God, but it's deification of your own desires. So let's say I'm a businessman. And so I'm using that business to deify my desires. And so that's why I put the name of God on that business. But it's really just, just religion trying to make me uh, find the justification for my greed. And so I may be a pastor, right? But if this church is about my will, my desire, it's not God's kingdom that is being built, but my kingdom that is being built. And so if you do not live by the Holy Spirit, then this is the ultimate result. It's only when we live by the Holy Spirit when we can be separated from this wickedness, where we can see the sin for the sin that it is. Our God is living God. Amen? And there is many meanings behind this. But what it means is that He lives with us. This is not religion, right? And so the focus of Christianity is living with the Holy Spirit. And so whenever you sign up at our church, you have to go through the year process of leadership. And Honestly, that process is, should be unnecessary because ultimately what is Christianity is, is living with the Holy Spirit. And so if that is embodied in you, then this process does, is not necessary. Whether you are a church member, a pastor, an elder, it's because you've had a Christian life outside other places. That's why I have to teach you again how to live with the Holy Spirit. That's why we have this process of the leadership. And so it's not about how long you've been a Christian. Ultimately, if you do not live with the Holy Spirit, then you are still a baby, an infant in the faith. And no matter how short your Christian life may be, if you have been living in the Holy Spirit, then that person is spiritually mature. And so the most important thing, as I say again, is to live with the Holy Spirit. So whether it's legalism or syncretism, they're all spirits that go against the Holy Spirit. So when you live with the Holy Spirit, it will cut all of those things. 
Okay, so what you need is the fullness of the Holy Spirit. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will lead you in the way. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, then you don't need technique. You don't need to know things. You don't need to work hard to learn how to do things. And so 34 years ago, when I met with God, I've never been to church before. And yet the moment that I received the Holy Spirit, I was a teacher for Sunday school. I was the president of the Young Adult Association. I was leading praise. I was able to do all of those things. And so really, though I was not well versed in the Bible, and yet there was grace. It was filled with grace. And so there were many young adults there, and they were filled with grace as I was leading them. And so though I was not technically well versed, I did not know how to do anything. I was led by the Holy Spirit. That's all you need is the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And so when you look at 1 John 2, it says the same thing. That no one, you, you have no one, you do not need someone to teach you for the anointing teaches you all things. That the Holy Spirit will lead you to and give you what you need to know. And so this is how God created man to be. Man is not needing to learn something, to, to pour out effort, to make something of themselves. That's not where glory, that's not where riches comes from. That's not how God created man. If you live by God, then everything that God has prepared for them, that it will manifest. And that is how God created man. But if you do not understand that, then you are going to waste your life. You're going to live vain, in vain. And so we need to know how God created us. And that's the principle behind God's creation. It's not about us making something for ourselves. Remember that the essence is about our eternity, our spirit. And if our spirit is not clean, no matter how, what kind of good things may come to me, I cannot, I do not have the means to take hold of that goodness. Because if I am polluted, then when that goodness comes into me, it's going to get polluted. And so it's the same thing with sermons. No matter how much I may say, ah, if you are polluted, you will not be able to hear that ah, you will hear it as all. And so you hear what you want to hear. You choose what you want. And so we need to loosen all of these things in order to hear the voice of God correctly. And so that's why throughout New Testament, what do I keep saying? What does it say throughout the New Testament is, He who has an ear, let him hear. So this is the problem, is that many people can't hear. They hear what they want to hear out of their selfish desires. They see what they want to see. And so remember, it's about your spiritual state. That is the essence. It's not about what's good, what's bad. That's not going to change inside of you. We, man is not built up by making something of themselves. It's not through achievement. No. 
is living by God and as God reveals inside of them, manifests inside of them, they hold on to glory. And so the essence, the point is to live by the Holy Spirit. And when you live by the Holy Spirit, He makes inside of you, He makes known inside of you, He manifests inside of you. So you do not need to think about methodology. And so that's the problem with these days is that many young adults waste their energy in pointless things. As you know, have I ever gone to a seminar in my life? Has I, have I gone trying to find achievement? No. You may acknowledge me, but who in the world acknowledges me? No one. Right? I have nothing. When I go to Israel, no one recognizes me. Okay, Pastor Lee gave the tip to the chef at Israel. And when he received that tip, that's when he started to treat us nicely. And then so that's when he started to give us more bread. Even though even though I've been to Israel for 10 years and the same hotel, finally they start to give me recognition after the tip. I, I was like, oh wow, this is the power of money. <laughs> but look, but look, what am I trying to say? <laughs> And so look, I'm not trying to show off my achievement. I'm not trying to to be famous, right? That's not the ca- that's not the case. I don't need to strive for that. Think about it. There's 500 pastors in Uganda who have registered. I do not know a single one of them. I only know Pastor Mike. And yet, what? It, how is this made? It's not me who's making it. I'm not achieving it. God knows me. And God leads me. And so when we live by the Holy Spirit, God reveals that we know each other deeply in this way. That I know who He is. He knows who I am. This is what makes all of this. We do not need to waste our energy in anything else. The important thing is to live by the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so whatever you do, the important thing is to yearn, to maintain the fullness of the Holy Spirit. That is the answer. To maintain the fullness of the new self. Yearn for it. Desire it. Right? If you can ma- maintain the fullness of the Holy Spirit for one hour, then you need to now pray to God to be able to maintain it for two hours. Remember, it's not my thoughts. It's the presence of God that you think of Him because His presence surrounds you. And so you need to have more time thinking of Him, meditating on Him. And so throughout your daily life, how much, how much do you meditate upon Him, truly? Many of you people who work maybe not even a minute of the, of your day. That's why you are powerless. Because all day long thinking about the world, thinking about the world, unless you come to pray, do you think you'll be able to pray? Uh, uh. 
And so because you're constantly uh, loosening your thoughts into the world, you are, you are separated from God. Remember, prayer is about what? It's about being connected to God. It's having that direction towards God. But if all throughout the day you are filled with the strength of the world, you are not connected from God. All of a sudden you try to look to God. Do you think that strength will be there? That's why you are unable to pray. And so, the key to victory is that though you are living in the world, every moment by moment, constantly directing yourself towards God, meditating upon Him, receiving His words, that is presence. And so, as the Holy Spirit continually sends those things towards you, it starts to manifest inside of you. As I said throughout Hebrews, to fix your eyes upon Jesus Christ, to cast your gaze upon God, that this isn't just a simple command, but in reality, in that state, as you maintain that gaze upon God, God is filling you up with Himself. And so you are being moved in the character of the new self. And as that happens, we can see many things. But first of all, the greatest thing is that it filters out all the wickedness that is outside in the world. And so normally you would have just received the things of the world, but now you'll be able to filter what is wickedness, what is outside. And so when your thoughts are connected to God and the Holy Spirit is moving inside of you, this new self, what is this new self? The new self cannot sin. And so when sin tries to tempt you, when it tries to come inside of you, this new self has the strength to resist it. But the old self doesn't resist, but rather it receives. And so it just becomes a part of you. It becomes, you compromise. You compromise. And so if you live all your day like this, then it's obvious that you cannot pray. If you could pray in that state, that is the true miracle. And so, at all times, your character should be directed towards God. Your thoughts, your gaze should be directed towards God. And that's when you'll be able to instantly cut off the, the temptation. For example, let's say that I ate something and it caused my stomach to get uh, very sick. Then for a while in my life, whenever I see that food, whenever I smell it, I'm going to have a resistance against it. Right, long time ago when I used to drink, I one time I drank uh, rice wine and I got so sick. And after a while, if I just smelled that rice wine, my, my, my stomach would start to churn. And so it's not because I wanted to drink the expensive alcohol. I, could, I had no choice but drinking al expensive alcohol, liquor, because, because this rice wine, this cheap stuff, would make my stomach get upset. So, you know, I always looked for cognac and, and whiskey. It's not because I was purposely trying to choose those things, but because I got so sick off of rice wine that even when I just smelled it, the scent itself would make my stomach churn. And so in the same way that as you're filled with that holiness, you automatically have that resistance towards wickedness. You have this, 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 this function to resist it. And so uh, this is my term, but I call it spiritual 
natural um, immunity. And so I'm not trying to purposely uh, cut these things off, but automatically I just have this resistance. And so, so whenever I look at my cell phone, I have this automatic resistance. So like even when I need to use it, even when I need to use it, I only use it for what it, I need. Because I have this experience of how to cut off the world. And so when you live in the world, you need to continually have these experiences where you resist darkness. And so I remember when I say experience, this is not the ex living by experience. What I'm talking about is these senses that you, you develop as you live with the Holy Spirit. That's what it means to live with the Holy Spirit. Living with the Holy Spirit isn't mysticism. It's not, it's not some kind of super spiritual thing. No, it's the state where you are united with the Holy Spirit and your life is unfolding in that Holy Spirit. But if you're constantly living in the old self and through your strength you try to keep your, make yourself a good person, that's not going to work. It's not going to bring you closer to God. And so the old self automatically, even when he tries to do good, can't help but sin. And so whether he does the bad action or not, the old self gets stronger in their own self, strength. And so because they're always thinking about sin, they cannot help but sin, even if they don't try to. Because that old self is constantly building up their own strength. And so when you live with the sarks, when you live with the flesh, these five uh, fundamental evil desires are constantly being activated inside of you. And so we need to constantly be in the new self, fixing our gaze upon Jesus Christ. And through these kinds of people, habitually, what will they say with their lips? Holy Spirit, help me. Lord, help me. This becomes habitual. And so if you do not say these things, that means that you are living by your own strength. You are living in your own strength. But if you are living in the new self, automatically you will say, Holy Spirit, help me. Holy Spirit, where am I supposed to go? Holy Spirit, what should I do? This will become part of your habit. And so throughout the day, if you do not even utter these words once, then understand that you are living fully in your own strength, in your own thoughts. Remember, we do not let our actions lead. It's not about our actions leading us. First is, Holy Spirit, what should I do? It's first giving ourselves up to the Holy Spirit, letting Him lead us. And this is possible when we maintain the fullness of the new self. The old self cannot do such things. And so because as I get older, I have to exercise. You know, to maintain my energy levels, I have to exercise. But as I'm getting older, it's, it's, it's getting harder and harder. I can no longer exercise the way I used to. For example, let's say I used to lift 20 kilograms when I was when I was curling. But now I can no longer do those 20 kilograms the same way. Then what should I do? I say, Holy Spirit, how much should I lift today? That's what I say every single time. Even the weight, He has to choose it. 
and there used to be a routine that I would automatically exercise, but I can no longer do that anymore. Holy Spirit, should I do this exercise? Even the type of exercise I do, the Holy Spirit determines. If not, then my entire body goes to waste. And so, for example, Deacon Park, who exercises with me, you know, he's in his youth, and so he's just lifting whatever he wants, right? Okay, don't, don't look down on him. Though his stomach may be big, his stomach is a solid stomach. It's a solid stomach, solid muscle stomach. And so, so don't look down on him just because his stomach comes out. But anyways, you may think of this as because I'm old. But no, this is how I've lived my entire life. I do not move what I know according to my experiences. Everything the Holy Spirit defines and leads. I do not define it, I do not lead it. And so ultimately, this is how men are supposed to live. And so we want to talk about syncretism today. And this is something that the Holy Spirit is attacking against. And we see three kinds of, three things that we live with the Holy Spirit. Three ways, right? And so in verse 16, it says, walk by the Spirit. Right? He says, there are three essences of what it is to live with the Holy Spirit. And so in verse 16, it says, walk with the Holy Spirit. Walk by the Holy Spirit. That means that the Holy Spirit needs to be leading you. And so my thoughts, my will, if that's strong, then you cannot let the Holy Spirit lead you. So if you want to walk with the Spirit, you need to get rid of your own strength. If you do not have, if you do not loosen your strength, you, it's impossible for you to work with the Holy Spirit. So if the flesh is stronger than the new self inside of you, then you fail to walk with the Holy Spirit. You cannot walk with Him. And so uh, nine times out of ten, you are living out of your own strength. And it's only when you come across a very great challenge that you try to rely on the Holy Spirit. Right? And so that's why I always say the most important thing is to get rid of your strength, to empty your strength. Because living with the Holy Spirit in itself is living without your strength. If you live with the Holy Spirit, then your own strength will be emptied out. And so this is the danger of sin. That when we look at it from the perspective of being born again, right? Sin is not going to be the reason why you go to hell anymore. But the problem with sin is that this element of sin inside of us. When we receive that sin, it increases the strength of the sarts within me. And so I, let's say I lied. And this sin, the moment I say, forgive me, does it get erased or not? It gets erased, right? It's disappeared. And so no longer does God accuse you of that sin anymore. 
But the problem, the problem is, is when I lied, when I sinned, that this sin has influence. It strengthens my flesh inside of me. And this, this strength doesn't get taken away just because I confess. It gets taken away when I overcome the flesh in the power of the Holy Spirit. As I live with the Holy Spirit and I overcome that flesh, that's when that strength gets disappeared. But when that strength doesn't get disappeared, when it doesn't get cut away, that's why I keep find myself sinning again and again and again. And so as you go deeper and deeper into the Spirit, now of course it's important to remove that sin list. But more important also is to get rid of that energy that has been stored up inside of us. And so what does this mean? This means that you need to have that um, vindication, that vengeance against the devil who has cursed you down. So let's say yesterday I lied. And, I, and that same situation comes today. But because I've been living in the Holy Spirit, I overcome that desire to lie. And that's when that strength gets taken out from inside of me. And so this is what we call inner warfare. And so we need to know what it means to live with the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so no matter what, if we want to walk with the Holy Spirit, we need to empty our strength. And emptying our strength is this ability to empty that, that strength of that flesh. And so this is all part of that inner warfare that goes on inside of us. And so for a time in your Christian life, this inner warfare is going to be very intense, very severe. And in this process of glorification, we need to experience that intense warfare. If you have not gone into that warfare yet, that means that in your state that the old self has dominion, the old self has control. Because it's not difficult for you to live according to the desires of the old self, there is no conflict. But as that conflict starts to rise up, it becomes uncomfortable and it starts to rise up. But if the world gets stronger and stronger inside of you, then as I said earlier, then immediately that, that ability to go into darkness just comes up right away. And so it's easier to live in the old self. And so if you do not fight for that holiness, then what you should recognize is that, ah, the old self is the victor inside of me. And you are living according to the leading of that victor. And so who is victorious in your life is who is going to reign over your life. So that's why this inner warfare is really important. This inner warfare is very important. Even when you sin, right? The sin is not going to be the cause for you to go to hell, but it is giving you the strength of the old self. And so to some of you, there are some aspects in your life where sin has declared victory, right? For most of you, it's going to be your cell phones. But to some people, it might be immorality. To others, it might be the world. To others, it might be with what they eat. 
And so many of you have this characteristic that has strength over you. And so in other words, in other words, that means that you have not engaged in that battle. And in that battle, you have not taken it serious to heart. And that's why that strength is strong inside of you. And so it might be the same with, with deception or even ignorance. It's because you do not fight against that ignorance that you are foolish. And so, what is the characteristic of the Holy Spirit? Is wisdom, is wisdom, right? Not. And so, when you are ignorant, that means you have not fought that fought fight. We need to loosen these things. And so, in all of these things, when it comes to our flesh, our old self, it's about this battle, this inner battle that needs to happen. Because the old self has dominion over you, you are ignorant. Because the old self has dominion over you, that you enjoy the world so much. And so you need to recognize that these two forces are at work within you, always battling within you. And so look at you, even right now, as you're listening to this sermon, many times you are hearing only what you want to hear. And so many times you can only hear what you want to hear. And you cannot hear because you're, you're, you, it becomes like just noise, background noise to you. Why? Because the strength of the old self is so strong within you. And so right now I'm preaching And my preaching is not with hard words It's coming into you, right? It's easily, easily it's coming inside of you right? It's because you are bright Your eyes are bright Is it entering inside of you? Yes? Are you sure? Okay, I'll believe you I'll believe you, I'll trust you Is it entering inside of you? He says he believes, but... <laughs> And so this is the character, uh, this is what's happening because of your characteristic. And so, remember, you may say that, oh, it's because I'm tired. No, in the presence of God, your body's exhaustion cannot be an obstacle to receiving the grace of God. And so this is the spiritual um, atmosphere that is happening because of what's going on inside of you. And so, walk with the Spirit. Get rid of your strength. And so in verse 18, what does it say? It says, being led by the Spirit. That the Holy Spirit leads me. And so, you put no obstacles before the Holy Spirit. But if you're filled with your thoughts, your will, your experiences, then you cannot be led by the Spirit because you have obstacles for that, to that Spirit. The Holy Spirit says, let's go to the right. But I say, no, my experience says it's this way. And so you are unable to align yourself according to the direction of the Holy Spirit. And so instead of, instead of having the strength to be led by the Holy Spirit, your old self is leading you according to your experiences, according to your thoughts. And so that's why your experiences, your thoughts are so dangerous. Your methodology is so dangerous. These people always lose their direction. Spiritually, when you see them, that, oh, if they go down that way, it's darkness. And yet, for some reason, they always choose that way. That's the only way that they can choose. And so many of our young adults, I see that. Right? I see that if they go down that way, they will die. And yet, miraculously, they always choose that way. That, oh, if he, go, if he goes with that woman, she, he's going to die. And yet, he always goes there. 
Right? There are many of you sisters at our church like this. Right? You 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 got blinded by that by that by that man's beauty and then you and now he is your enemy. <laughs> right? Why aren't you saying amen, sisters? Right? Many of you, many of you. It's okay, you can acknowledge it because you repented, right? You repented. Right in the past. In the past, right? You, 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 you through your 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 experiences it can be a lesson to the next generation. <laughs> right? That that man seemed like your your only way. Right? That man seemed like your hero, but now that you live with him, he's like your enemy. <laughs> oh why oh, oh. <laughs> Let us be honest before God. Let us be truthful before God. Right? If God calls you righteousness, then you don't need to be ashamed of it, right? It's okay. Acknowledge it. Right? That's how we lived our lives. Right, because we have lost the direction of the Holy Spirit. That's what is that's what's going on. And so when you lose the direction, there will come a time of regret for your life. So led by the Spirit. So my thoughts, my experience. We need to every day empty these things. Empty these things. Remember, our God is a personal God. And so I needed to confess to Him and, and give Him the Lordship. But because I keep... And the Holy Spirit will lead inside of me to remove these experiences, these thoughts. And so when we seek God of these things and we ask to Him, He pours out the sensitivity to the Holy Spirit inside of me. And so many times we think life is nothing. It's just, it's just living our lives. But as, but as we live our lives, we need to have the sensitivity to be able to stop when the Holy Spirit gives you that signal. Maybe everything doesn't change. It's not a great thing, but like a great change. But little by little, little by little. And so we need to, we need to be able to see that and yearn for that. In the past, I would fall into despair. But now the Holy Spirit removes that despair, that source of despair. And so even though the same situation situation happens, I do not despair. And so the reason why you cannot see that is because you have uh, habitualized the old self inside of you. You have continually let the old self characterize you, define you. Right? But but now we got to fight. Fight against that by letting go of our experiences. Right? For example, with our sisters in our church, most of them do not are not addicted to their cell phones. There are a few. There are a few. But for the most part, they are not addicted to their cell phones. And yet, and yet there are times where they cling to their cell phones. Right? For example, when they fought with their husband. And then so because they fought with the whole of their husband, they have no one to turn to. So they look to their cell phone. They start shopping. Right? Because that helps them relieve the stress. And then or through their cell phones, they start to look for something good to eat. Right? But, uh, 
And so normally, as they turn to God, now that uh, now that they fought with their husband, instead of looking at their, when they tried to turn on their cell phone, all of a sudden they're like, oh no, this isn't the right thing. I found the root. It's not this. I repent. And that's what's going to happen. Amen? Sisters. And so, you know, a long time ago when that happened, you would start watching TV. You know, with eating your ice cream and watching TV, you wanted to do that. But no, not anymore, right? Now you found the direction that the Holy Spirit is leading you in, right? But if you do not let this, then you're constantly being directed towards darkness. That's going to be automatic. Let's say that I'm upset that all of a sudden I turn on the cell phone, right? Oh, I get upset, so I start to make three bags of noodles <laughs> immediately. And so your personality, it moves according to the impulses of the old self. No, a man of God does not move according to the impulse of, of the desire. No, we move according to the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The holy inspiration of the Holy Spirit is very clear. That my spiritual state, my thoughts are very clear. And so look, Maria, Mary broke the alabaster jar and poured the perfume on Jesus' feet, right? And so his, her spiritual state at that time. Right. It's not because, oh, she didn't know how expensive it is. Oh, it's not because she was foolish. That, oh, if I break this, that I'm going to regret it someday. Do you think she had these thoughts? No. No, she knew exactly how expensive that jar was. And so she wasn't in a stupor. No, her thoughts were very clear. And yet, she sees something more valuable. She sees something more glorious. Because she knows that. She moves according to that inspiration, the impulse of the Holy Spirit. Understand? And so, the impulse of the Holy Spirit, you are very clear. You are very clear and you know exactly where you need to go. You are not doing things out of a stupor, out of a drunken stupor. No. It's very clear. And you know where blessing and glory is. And you see it clearly. And so you understand what is going to please God. And so you understand the value that transcends the 300 denarii of the, of the alabaster jar. Right, a long time ago when I had no money. Right, it, let's say that I had a, I had a hundred one. Or a, a thousand one, right? That a thousand one was, was like my life to me. But God told me to give it all up. All of a sudden, this, 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 this inspiration comes, right? And so it's like this. It's not that I do not know the value of this money that I give it. No, I know it, but I see greater glory. 
But the physical impulse, it's like a drunken stupor. You don't know what you're doing. You're just dumb, right? You just do it because of this impulse. You don't know what you're losing out on. That is the impulse of the body of the flesh. And so what's the third thing in verse 25? Let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Right? Let us be in step with the Holy Spirit. Step by step, moving according to, with our Lord Jesus Christ. What is this? So for example, with Sogo, we, we, are, we, have tied our, we have tied our legs together, right? We, there's this game. And so if I move however I want, she's going to fall. And so what is important here? What's important is to know her speed, her rate, and move together. And so one leg. Oh, why are you so dumb? <laughs> one more time, one more time. Okay, so one leg, two, one, two. So right, this is what it means to be in step with the Holy Spirit. Understand? And so look. It's, you're constantly waiting for the will of the Holy Spirit. This is knowing the heart of God, being knowing His will. And so as you continue to live with the Holy Spirit, you start to see His will. You start to know what He wants. Not because you know it intellectually. No, but His strength is filling you. That, oh, He doesn't want me to have fellowship with this person. Oh, He doesn't want me to do this. Oh, He doesn't want me to go there. Then it just happens automatically. It becomes easy. Right, for example, there are some times where I don't want to receive money from persons. Right, it, it, it's not often, but, but it happens every now and then where, where I reject it. This is the image of those who live with the Holy Spirit. For, you don't just eat whatever is given to you. You know what needs to be touched and what not to be touched. This is what it means to be in step with the Holy Spirit. And so you are constantly aware of the will of the Holy Spirit. This you needs to put your, your self-will to death. If you have the strength to, be, to resist God, you cannot be in step with the Holy Spirit. And so these things are the specific ways to live with the Holy Spirit. And if you live in this way, then it becomes so easy to move and follow the Holy Spirit. And it becomes impossible for you to live by the flesh. And so it becomes so difficult to live according to the impulse of the flesh. And so some of you right now, it's so easy for you to live with the flesh. It's not a pain to you, but conversely, it's so difficult to live with the Holy Spirit. But you need to understand where you are and see clearly where you are. That, ah, in my spiritual warfare, that this is where I am. At the very least, that's what you need to recognize and realize. And so through today's sermon, you need to see where your position is in, in, in relation to that new self and the old self. But you need to see where you are in relation to the Holy Spirit and your thoughts. At the very least. And so if you do not know, then you will not be able to repent. You do not know how to pray. 
if you do not know this difference, it becomes impossible for you to repent. And it becomes impossible for you to fight spiritually. But as you know these things, that spiritual warfare becomes more intense, becomes more precise, and becomes more directed. And so as you live with the Holy Spirit, you will reveal these things more and more. He will reveal it inside you. Walking with the Spirit, being led with the Spirit, being in step with the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so when you live with the Holy Spirit, this is what will happen. And so let us empty our strength. Let us empty ourselves of our thoughts, our methods, our, our experience. Let us empty ourselves of our self-centeredness. How? By continually seeking God, continually acknowledging God that, that this is who I am, that Holy Spirit, that I am selfish. I am full of my own thoughts. I am full of my own desires. And confess that. And as you continually confess that the Holy Spirit is a personal one, He is faithful and He will lead you. And as you live your life in this way, the result is, is at the very least, you will be able to recognize exactly why you act the way you do. You will know exactly where you are falling. This is, the Eureka moment will come. This is the first step. At the very least, we need to get to this point. And then it's at that point where it becomes possible to fight. It's at that point where we're able to, um, to, to repent. And that's where the pace to victory will get quicker. And so as you continue living with the Holy Spirit, when getting to this point will happen very quickly. And as you grow, you will no longer have that waste of energy in that fight against the flesh. It will be very effective. You don't need to pour out your energy to fight against wickedness. As you get past that line, no longer does it require great energy to fight these things. And so the influence of your prayer, the essence of that prayer becomes stronger and stronger and you'll enjoy prayer. You'll enjoy your time with God. So we need to get past that line. Amen? And so as we live with the Holy Spirit, there is this process. And this isn't my own personal uh, experience. But throughout all uh, history, everyone who's lived with the Holy Spirit has this process. And so then you understand where their failure comes. What is bringing them down? And so at the very least, we need to recognize that part of our fight. Amen? And so even if you fall, at least know why you fall. Amen? That is the strength to help you overcome that. And so at the very least, continually lift up your weaknesses. Lift up your wickedness to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit who knows, who knows that you need help will give you the strength to overcome it. Amen? He will give you that renewal. Live by the Holy Spirit. And so let's hurry up and finish. Okay, let's look from verse uh, 16. So what is syncretism? 
because they do not live by the Holy Spirit, the strength of the old self continually saps away at the strength of the new self. That is syncretism. And so what is the characteristic of the syncretism spoken of in Galatians? Is that though the Holy Spirit has come inside of them, they do not live by the Holy Spirit, and so they are living in the old self, even though the Holy Spirit is inside of them. And so if the Holy Spirit is not inside of them, there is no syncretism because they're just worldly people, right? They, they're just living as they are supposed to. But the Holy Spirit is there. And yet because the old self is so strong inside of them, that... Can you guys still hear me? Okay. I press... Whenever I press something, I feel like I do something wrong. <laughs> but... Um, and so there were many heresies at that time but it's similar to like um, similar thing to like gospel uh, a salvation gospel right is, is that they say that well, even though I sin I'm still saved something similar was happening here is that I'm I'm spiritual but but my flesh is 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 worldly and so this flesh does what it does but my I'm still spiritual and so even in our lives we need to continually have more and more time spending in the Holy Spirit and so brothers who are in business who are in workplace though you may be at your workplace you need to understand that the Holy Spirit is having dominion over you and your focus should always be in God and so more than the sisters who are always at home brothers brothers God is more is taking more of your problems into consideration and so he's going to pour more out for you and yet the fact that you cannot enjoy that greater blessing is because you are not having that proper direction and so you need to acknowledge this amen and so for example let's say that it takes 10 hours for for a housewife to be praying to be holy then brothers you only need to pray one hour why because God knows your circumstances God knows your weakness and he's going to pour out even more to you amen and so it's about your direction, your direction. That's what you need to focus on, is your direction toward God. Seriously, try it. That throughout your daily life, in your workplace, as you keep trying to maintain your direction towards God, then your prayer will come alive. Your prayer will come alive. It will be completely transformed. You will experience that. Amen? And so we're going to quickly go through this, verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And so when you live by the Holy Spirit, the, the desires of the flesh will not be met. And so if you live by the Spirit, you're living in the new self. If you're living in the new self, the new self does not have the system to sin. And so continually as you live in this way, then the old self becomes paralyzed. And so if the new self is moving inside of you, that means that the old self cannot move at the same time. Right? They cannot function together. And, but if the old self is moving, then the new self is paralyzed. If the new self is moving, the old self is paralyzed. Understand? 
And so if the new self is moving and you are being sanctified, then at the same time, that means that the old self is dying. This happens at the same time. Amen? Like it says in Romans 8.13, that when you live by the Spirit, by the Spirit, put to death the deeds of the flesh. That when you receive the Spirit of God in your soul, then all the evil desires of the flesh die within you. And so though I do not make an effort to cut away at the flesh separately, if I live by the Spirit, the things of the flesh die automatically. And so as you live by the Spirit, the strengths of the flesh die. And so as I always say, Sarks in itself is not sin. But Sarks cannot help but sin. If, if you leave that Sarks alone, that Sarks will make your old self grow. And so even our Lord Christ came in the Sarks. And so that's why he struggled against that Sarks to not sin. And so what is the answer? Live by the Holy Spirit. And so, as we're on this earth, if we are to continually go to glory, continually go to holiness, living in the Holy Spirit, what is glorification? Is continually going in that down that Holy Spirit and, and paralyzing the strength of the flesh. Right, letting that flesh wither away as the Holy Spirit grows inside of you. And as I said yesterday, oh, sorry, that the amount of strength of the old self you have, that is how much you are uh, cutting away at the inheritance of glory. That, so this is your enemy. The enemy is the old self. The old self is you. The new self is you. They are both real and they are both you. And so we need to put the old self to death. He is alone is the enemy. We need to take away the strength of the old self. How far? To the point where we make that old self become a corpse inside of me. Amen? That's what we can do on this earth. That is the glory that we need to uh, go to while we're on this earth. And so at all times, keeping our foot at, at the old self's neck, allowing the new self to continually grow. That whenever that old self tries to get back up, you trample his neck. Okay, for a while, the devil will not easily give up. He will continually attack you. Just because you win once doesn't mean that he's going to leave you alone. He's going to keep attacking you, continually looking for that opportunity. Continually attacking you. He is relentless. But as you continually have that victory, what will happen is that they'll get tired. They'll get tired and they'll run away. Essentially, they cannot help but continue to attack you. Though they know that they are doomed, they cannot stop. They have to attack you. So 
for them, it's all about attacking the children of God. That is what they eat, live off of. And so they cannot stop until the Lord returns. Until they get um, thrown into the gates of hell, they constantly will attack you. And so you cannot say to them that you can no longer attack me. And yet they will still attack you. But look, why does that attack stop? Because that victory is continually going and going and going. And so they no longer have a foothold to attack you. Because the shit is no longer in your heart, there is no longer flies. And so because there's no longer flies, it's all butterflies, butterflies. There's no root for them to attack you. And as you continue victorious spiritually, this new self grows inside of you and the measure of that glory grows within you. And they cannot bring darkness to these people. And that's why I say that warfare becomes easier because you can just blow and they, they get toppled. That doesn't mean that they stop attacking you. They're still attacking you. But that attack becomes easier. And so we talk about this in the aspect of the church as well. Wherever that church may be planted, that church is a ruler. It has the authority to rule over the authority of the area. And the devil knows this. But the devil will not acknowledge it. And so when the church is established, that church needs to fight. Fight and take that authority away from the devil. They need to trample the strength of the devil. And that's when the devil will finally realize their place. That doesn't mean that they will stop attacking. They'll still attack. But it becomes easier. Because there's no longer a foothold for them to attack. And so the, uh, the glory of the church radiates stronger and stronger. And so you can just blow in the Holy Spirit. And that's why it's so important to remove the desires of the flesh. Keep removing that strength. Keep removing. Verse 17. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. Right? We talked about this before. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And so there is this strength of the sarks that try that absorbs these desires, right? And so the source of these are the five desires that we see in Habakkuk: possession, security, uh, success, uh, conquest, and and pleasure, and then also idolatry. So these five things continually strengthen your flesh. And fundamentally, what's going on inside of you? As you live in this self-centeredness, these things make uh, empower your kingdom, your own kingdom inside of you. And no matter how much strength you may be strengthened, that strength cannot be that strong. For example, 
For example, let's look at Samsung, right? They have so much money. You think that they can do whatever they want, that they built such a strong kingdom, and yet God, in just an instant, can transform that to nothing, right? And so though they try to make, make their own strength strong, it's not strong, ultimately. It's all momentary. It's all instantaneous. God can send it away right like that. And so no matter how much money you may have, no matter how much power and authority you may have, right, we say that it's, it's all a hair in the moment of time, right? It's all nothing. It's all a flicker of light. And so these desires of the flesh continue to strengthen yourself and it's all leading you to destruction. And as you live by these strengths, it becomes impossible to live by the Holy Spirit. And so this sarks that I have, we need to acknowledge this desire. We need to acknowledge that it has a power. Don't just say that, oh, this is life. Oh, what do you mean? Everyone wants money. Everyone wants this. Everyone wants that. No, don't treat it that way. You need to acknowledge it as wickedness, as evil. You need to acknowledge that these fleshly desires are evil, that it is going against God, that it is leading you to damnation. You may say, why is it so wicked to want security? And so we need to continually break down these fleshly desires. And so that's why Matthew 7 says what? To go down the narrow path. What is the purpose of this narrow path? It's the way that the flesh cannot go. Right? The wide path is the way that the flesh automatically goes. And so the narrow way is the way that the spirit goes. It's where we're going to the kingdom of heaven. And so if you go according to what the flesh desires, that is not the path of God. This is absolute. So if you live with the desires of the flesh, you cannot go down the narrow path that leads to the kingdom of heaven. That's why he says that it's so difficult for rich men to enter the kingdom of heaven, that it's more difficult than a camel going through the eye of a needle. With these fleshly desires, holding on to these desires, we cannot go to the kingdom of heaven. Think about it. Think about it. Not even just a camel going through the eye of a needle. It's hard for me to string my shoelaces. So, so how difficult is this with, with worldly desires? And so... And so the desires of the and so the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. Right? They stand against. They are opposed. That there is no compromise. Just as water cannot mix with oil, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the spirit cannot be mixed. Being led by spirit is impossible if you are in the desires of the flesh. 
You cannot mix that one must die. I use this example. Let's say that there's a small room and I'm and I am locked in that room with a white tiger. And let's say that you are locked in that room with that tiger. What are you going to do with just a little knife? Are you going to Are you going to bow before that tiger and say, enjoy your meal? Is that what you're going to say? No. You're going to take that small knife and whether you can be successful or not, you're going to fight with all your life. Right? And so you're going to fight, stab that, that knife into that tiger and, and, and take all that blood, right? You're going to keep stabbing him, keep stabbing him. You're not going to kindly make sure the cut is clean and hope that he doesn't suffer. No, you're just going to viciously stab at him. That is what it is. That is the opposition of the new self and the old self. One must die. One must die. And so how intense is this inner warfare within me? If you haven't experienced this, you cannot head towards glory. And so these two uh, desires stand opposed. They are against, right? That there is battle going on between them. And so they oppose each other. The Holy Spirit and the new self leads you towards glory leads you towards his love, leads you towards his grace, leads you towards his dignity. But the desires of the flesh stands opposed, keeps you from that glory, keeps you from that love. The desires leads you to greed, leads you to immorality, leads you towards, towards corruption. And so, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of the world are not similar, they are completely opposed. They stand opposed. That they cannot go hand in hand. That if you love the world, you cannot love God. If you love God, you cannot love the world. This must be clear. You should not say, I do not know the will of God. It must be clear. If you don't say that you do not know, that means that you are not being led by the Holy Spirit. 99 times out of 100, you should know. And so it's because you're bound up that you say you do not know the will of God. Because why should you know? Because it is so clearly different. So clearly different. But if you are strong in the desires of the flesh, you cannot know. You cannot recognize it. Because you're so lost in that desire. We must recognize the will of God. We must recognize the desire of God. And so if you are strong in the desires of the flesh, you cannot wait for God. You cannot stop for God. You will move. And so is this word piercing at your heart? Is it cutting at your heart? It should. You should say amen and hear this. Right? Or are, or are you all glorified? Are you, is this all below you? No. You should say amen. Why are you not saying amen? Brothers, say amen. Is this word not piercing at your heart? Say amen, amen. Acknowledge these things. 
that if I were to make the same sermon in Central America, they would be standing and, and, and lifting up their hands. Are you dead? Are you deaf? If you're alive, you should respond. Respond. The flesh has its desires. It's a strength. It has strength of its own. And how strong is this strength? That if you let it go to its top, that you live by your own thoughts. And so in the world says this, that how much, how weak must he have been to kill himself? No, I say that it's because he's so strong that he kills himself. Right? Because it's the strength to take your own life. And so as the flesh has its own desires, the new self also has its own desires. The new self also has a strength. I call this the instincts of the spirit. And so we have this essential instinct to receive the strength of the kingdom of heaven. So if you live by the Holy Spirit, if you live in the new self, this strength gets become strong to attract the kingdom of heaven, to bring the kingdom of heaven nearer. It has this strength to yearn, to thirst, to be desperate. And so if you lose sight of that desperation, that is a sign that you have strong strength of the flesh. The stronger that strength dies within you, the more you will have the desire of kingdom of heaven. What can I do to be closer to God? What can I do to bring, bring nearer to God? This grows inside of you. What can I do to dedicate myself to God more? This becomes stronger and stronger and stronger. So, at our church, I always say that it's great for you to offer in conference, even if the money is all met up. And so you offer for your own blessing, whether whether the, uh, the whether the conference needs it or not. But if your fleshly desire is strong, they do not have the desire for that blessing. That they give money because they have money. It's because it's because they have this strong desire for the flesh. But if you have strong desire for the new self, then ah, this blessing is there. I must receive this blessing. I must take part in this blessing. So they have this great desire to partake in that blessing. And that's why there were so many people who offered in this conference. That all of a sudden this money came out of nowhere. And so they offered it to God. 
right? They all of a sudden remembered an insurance that they had on their life long time ago. And so they canceled it and gave that money to, to offering. This is this desire for the kingdom of heaven. This is that attraction, this, this desperation for the kingdom of heaven to participate in God's glory. The same thing applies to me. And I said, Lord, I want to receive this money because I want to offer this money to for Israel. I remember one time that, that there was this great desire inside of me to offer a great amount to God. And so I prayed to God. I prayed to God, Lord, Lord, give me this money so that I can offer it. I want to offer this amount. And then so this deacon sold his church or sold his car and gave me $50,000. And I offered that $50,000 to the church. And that's what I prayed. I prayed that, Lord, I want to offer a great amount. And so God gave me this money. And so God will not uh, tolerate the desires of the flesh. But he wants to always lead you in greater blessing, in greater glory. And so he gives you this desire to offer more and more. And so the problem isn't whether you have money or not. The problem is you have the fleshly desires, that you do not yearn for God's blessing. It's the old self, new self, right? That's what this is about. And so verse 17. Uh, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Uh, no, verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. I think that's where he is. One moment. And so the Holy Spirit, when they are under the Holy Spirit, God's dominion is over them. That means they are not under the law because they are led by the Spirit. So we're just repeating what we're continuing saying. If you live in the world, you are moving by the old self. And if you are moving in the old self, you are moving in the, under the law. But because we live by the Holy Spirit, we are not under the law. If you are not under the law, what does that mean? That means you are no longer under the curse of your actions. If you do not live by the law, that means that God has perfect responsibility over all your actions. And so when we live by the Holy Spirit, let us understand what happens inside of us. And so when I breathe through my nose, that what's going on when I take a breath? Now, of course, my lungs are being filled with oxygen, but through that breath, your, your blood is absorbing that oxygen in your lungs, right? And so every breath you take, that this oxygen is renewing your body, is renewing every function in your body. Amen? And so when you breathe, you're not just breathing in and out. In the same way, when you live with the Holy Spirit, all these functions are being renewed inside of you. And 
so just as we understand what is the benefit of righteousness when we receive um, grace, right? As as he said earlier, that when, if you have circumcision, that the that there that grace has no effect, has no benefit to you. And so when you live in the Holy Spirit, you are under that righteousness. And it's the same thing when you're healthy. You do not all of a sudden become sick. No, as you absorb all that badness, it, 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 it affects your, your genetics. And that's where that disease comes. When your liver is cancer, that cancer doesn't just come out of nowhere. All of your functions, weaknesses of your body organs grows and grows and it builds upon each other, leading to that cancer. The same thing happens spiritually when you live with the Spirit. What does it mean that you are not under the law? That all the curse of that law is erased from within you. Listen carefully, brothers. I say again, I'm not saying your works. No, when you live with the Holy Spirit, what are the benefits that comes with that Spirit? What glory is He leading you towards? And so we're going deeper and deeper into glory. Because you are not under the law, your prayer, everything is received by God. And that influence not just fills you, but it fills everyone around you, fills your inheritance. And all of these things happens as you live in the Holy Spirit. You become more wise. Amen. And so when you live in the Holy Spirit, it is gain, it is benefit, right? Verse 18, we need to hurry up and finish this. Okay, let's just read the text. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality. And so the works of the flesh are very clear. That these sins are very evident. But not just the sarks, but everything, right, of the sin. Anyways, and so, so sexual immorality is the first thing that comes up, right, sexual immorality. And then verse 20, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, all of these things are fleshly strengths. What else? Jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions. So you may think that these are the things that keep you from receiving uh, the, 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 the kingdom of heaven. And these are characteristics of the flesh, right? Division, anger, um, rivalry. That's what the danger of SNSs are. Social networks make you easily um, envious and rivalries, fits of anger, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. And things like these. I do not need to explain these in detail, right? 
But you may think of these as, are these such great sins? Now, of course, idolatry was obvious, but, but for example, like jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, or envy and drunkenness? Are these things such great sins? Right? I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so if the flesh grows inside of you, not just these sins that are listed here, but at all times these sins, any sin can become part of your character. And so what does it mean that you cannot receive the inheritance of the kingdom of heaven? Does that mean that you'll go to hell? That may be the case. But what is the focus? Is to enjoy the glory of an heir as the chosen heir. And so you are losing that glory. And so when it says that you will not inherit the kingdom of God, it, it, it of course means inherit the kingdom of God that's to come, but also the kingdom of God while you're on this earth. And so primarily not concerned whether you're going to heaven or hell. That's not the primary concern of the Bible that the inability to enjoy the inheritance of the kingdom of God on this earth is just as torturous as being damned to hell for all eternity. That's what the Bible is saying. That if the old self grows inside of you, you are losing the authority and power of the inheritance of the kingdom of heaven. Every word I proclaim should not fall to the floor, but the old self makes you lose that authority, makes you lose that right. This is more torturous than the damnation of hell itself. You are heirs of God. And so let us live by the Spirit. Let us let that new self grow inside of us. Amen. Amen. And so verse 21. Um, uh, 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I don't need to explain these things, right? Against such things there is no law. These are all fruit of love. Amen? And so if we connect this to spiritual gifts, as spiritual gifts grow, it's because of this fruit. And so if we maintain the fullness of the Holy Spirit, we're going to bear more and more fruit. And so the last of these is self-control. And self-control is the secret to maintain these fruits. So we need to have self-control so that the maintenance of these fruits becomes easier and easier. Self-control, you need to equate with wisdom. As it says in Proverbs, that wisdom comes with knowledge, knowledge comes with understanding, and understanding leads to self-control. This is the package of wisdom. I don't need to explain this, amen? 
And so all these fruits are important, but these are all fruits of love. Without love, you have immorality. Without love, you have pleasure. And without peace, you have you are filled with strife. And without kindness, you you are merciless. Without goodness, you cannot bring about goodness. Without faithfulness, you constantly look to the world. And without gentleness, we don't need to explain this, right? Without gentleness, you cannot look to God. And self-control, as I said. So the important thing here is that all of the characteristics of the flesh are written in the plural. And so in all of these things, there are spirits that are connected to it, right? Because the spirit of envy comes, you, ha- you are envious. Because the spirit of immorality comes, you are immoral. But, and so if you do not live by the Holy Spirit, your life becomes complicated. Why? Because all these different desires starts to be connected to you. And so in my experience, if you live outside of the Holy Spirit for one month, then 200 spirits are going to be connected to you. And so it's so easy for a legion to take over you. They're just simply not living inside of you. But 200 more, 200 and more spirits are connected to you. Immorality, envy, strife, all of these division, despair, greed. All of these spirits are connected to you. And so fundamentally, if you do not live with the Holy Spirit, your life will be so complicated. All that darkness that's surrounding you, they all have names. They all are spirits. Despair, uh, worldliness, uh, the spirit of cursing, the spirit of powerlessness. And so your life gets so complicated. But the fruit of the Spirit is singular. Because if you have one, you have all. It's just a matter of time. But when you have love, you have self-control, you have peace, you have goodness, you have kindness. And so all we have to do is focus on the Holy Spirit. Just live by the Holy Spirit. Then all of these things come into you. And so those... And so, uh, wait, sorry. And so there is no need to uh, um, um, regulate against these things. Because if you have love, there is no law that is needed, right? And so verse 24, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passion and desires. And so all the desires of the flesh are over. They're finished. As it says in Galatians 2, that I have, I have been crucified on the cross with Christ, that it is no longer I who lives, but when I, I'm on that cross with Him, I died with my desires and my passions. And so sin has no dominion over me. Why do we sin? It's not because we are sinners. It's be, or, 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 no. We are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. But God has, thank, praise 
praise be to God that he has erased all these records of sins, that he has taken away all of our sins, that the power of the blood has erased the power of sin over my life. And so my son is here. And let's say that he doesn't listen, that he's no longer my son. Does that make sense? No. That's a crazy father, right? That's a father who has lost his, his mind. But through the merits of Christ, you are righteous now. You have been made righteous. And because of this righteousness, we can repent. Because of this righteousness, we can destroy the works of the devil. Because of this righteousness, we have been set free from the curse of history. Amen? Amen. Verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. In verse 26. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And so if you do not live in the Holy Spirit, you are living before your selfish desires. And so you get mixed up into these, these conceited, provoking, envious desires. But when we live in the Holy Spirit, we give, we continue to give, we serve, we continue to serve, we bless, and we bless, and we bless, because we live in the Spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. Receive the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. That the Holy Spirit moves in us, continually moving in us, leading us, removing the old self, letting it die inside of me, being more sensitive to the movement of the Holy Spirit. And now we're going to the perfection of holiness. Amen. Amen. We are going to that perfection. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Receive it. And so because we need to eat lunch, let's pray shortly. In this afternoon, rest very well. Go outside, enjoy the fresh air. And lastly, in this last session, we're going to have a celebration, a fiesta, right? A powerful fiesta, even though it's powerful right now. That let the reactor of the gospel move inside of you, right? Can you not feel it moving inside of you? Can you not feel it working inside of you, reacting inside of you? So Lord, at this time, all the syncretism inside of us, wipe it away, wipe away all legalism, that all Zoe ministry would be able to live according to the Holy Spirit, being moving according to the impulse of the Holy Spirit. Pour out your anointing and let this gospel circulate inside of us, circulate, circulate. Lord, anoint us.
disappear. Marlard! More powerfully, Lord. More powerfully, Lord. Pour it out, Lord. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Overflow. More anointing. Thank you. Yes, Lord, may tonight be a celebration that the anointing of Galatians would overflow in us. Yes, Lord, may all the fleshly strength be completely disappear. And may we live in the season where we live according to the Holy Spirit. Bless this offering, Lord. This offering that has been given this conference, we lift it up to you. Though we are living in a time of darkness and in a time of poverty, may the riches of the kingdom of heaven overflow, that we would be churches that may give and give and give. That all the businesses, all the inheritances be blessed, be blessed, for it is your kingdom, and may your kingdom grow and grow and grow, and in this season, bring life to the remnant all over the world. Pour out more of your anointing. May that scale grow and grow and grow. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you. We give you all the glory, and in Jesus' name we pray. Enjoy your lunch.